while they were bringing out the money that had been taken into the temple of the Lord, Hilkah, the, the, Hilkah, the priest, found the book of the law in the Lord that had been given through Moses. Hilkiah said to Shippan, Secretary, I have found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. He gave it to Shaphan. Then Shaphan took the book to the king and reported to him, you have officials are doing everything they have been committed to them. They have paid out the money that was in the temple of the Lord and have entrusted it to supervisors and workers. Then Shaphan, the secretary, informed the king, Hilkiah, the priest ha has given me a book. And Shaphan read it in the presence of the king. When the king heard the words of the law, he tore his robes. He gave orders to Hilkiah, Akima, son of Shaphan, Abdon, son of Micah, Shaphan, the secretary, and Aziah, the king's attendant. Go and inquire the Lord for me and the remnant in Israel and Judah about what is written in this book that has been found. Great is the Lord's anger that is poured out on us because of our, our, our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord. They have not acted in accordance with all that is written in this book. Hilkiah and those the king had sent with him went to speak to the, the prophet Huldah, who was the wife of Shalom, son of Tokath, the son, the son of Hera, keeper of the wardrobe. She lived in Jerusalem in the second district. She said to them, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, tell the man who sent you to me this is what the Lord says. I am going to bring a disaster on this place and its people. All the curses written in the book that has been read in the presence of the king of Judah, because they have forsaken me and burned incense to other gods and provoked me to anger by all that their hands have made. My anger will be poured out on this place and will not be quenched. Tell the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire uh, of the Lord, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says, concurring the words that you've heard. Because your heart was responsive, and you humbled yourself before God when you heard what he spoke against this place and its people, and because you humbled yourself before me and tore your robes and wept in my presence, I have heard you, declares the Lord. Now I will g gather you to your fathers, and you will be buried in peace. Your eyes will not see all the disaster I'm going to bring on this place and those who live here. So they took her answer back to the king. Then the king called together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. He went up to the temple of the Lord with the men of Ju Judah the people of Jerusalem, the priests, and the Levites. All the people, from the least to greatest, he read in their hearing 
all the words of the book of the covenant, which had been found in the temple of the Lord. The king stood by the pillar and renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord. Follow the Lord and keep his commands, regulations, and decrees with all the heart and, and all his soul and to obey the words of the covenant written in this book. Then everyone in Jerusalem and Benjamin pledged themselves to it. The people of Jerusalem did in accordance with the covenant of God, the God of their fathers. Josiah removed all the detestable idols from the territory belonging to the Israelites and had all who were present in Israel serve the Lord, their God. As long as he lived, they did not fail to follow the Lord and the God of their fathers. Thank, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Jimmy, for reading the scripture for us. This is the word of the Lord. Every week, our scripture reader declares to us that the words which they have read are God's words. No matter what the reading is, no matter which books of the Bible it came from, however long or short, whether we find the reading opaque, as perhaps many of us did this morning, or enlightening, however encouraging or confounding its message and meaning, the word of the Lord. And every week we respond with thanks to God for the gift of the word, still accessible to us, still able to be read in public, still spoken into our lives, still revealing Christ in a world in need of his saving work. Indeed, thanks be to God. In our tradition of the church, the reading and preaching of the word has been given a central place in our services of worship. It has been elevated quite intentionally by those who have gone before us. All of our practices of worship are good and I would say even necessary, but they all pivot around what God says and what God does. We are either preparing ourselves in the first half of the service to hear God's word, to receive the word of God, or we are responding to those words. This, right now, is the center of our service of worship, the reading and interpreting of Scripture. There are many good texts which might help us to begin to answer the question that we have this week about why we listen to the Word. Perhaps most obvious would be 2 Timothy 3.16, which tells us all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Perhaps Jimmy would have preferred that I selected that verse to be read for us this morning. We listen to scripture because we believe it is God-breathed, and we listen to it interpreted so that we may be taught, rebuked, corrected, and trained in the ways of God's justice. Simple enough. And then we have the text that was read for us today. Also, the word of the Lord for us this morning. And it seems not so simple, not so straightforward as that verse from Second Timothy. So many names that it's easy to lose track. Who's which again? But in this story, 
we come to understand the depths of the importance of Scripture for communities, the need that we have for Scripture to be interpreted, and the paramount importance of God's voice being the voice that we seek out. King Josiah is king from childhood, but unlike many child kings that we may have read about in history or seen on popular TV shows or movies, he is a good king. He does what is right in the sight of God and walks in the ways of David. He's a faithful king, so faithful, in fact, that as he seeks God for himself, he also desires to draw Israel back to God as well. No more altars to foreign gods, no more idols for them to worship, no more priests to false gods. That's phase one of his plan. And then there's phase two, where Josiah decides to repair the house of the Lord, to restore the temple. This is a massive public works project. Taxes are raised, and the high priest Hilkiah delivers the money to the people overseeing work at the temple. While he's there, in the ruins, the high priest discovers the book of the law of the Lord given through Moses. He hands it to a court official to bring it to the king. The high priest discovers a scroll which is new to him. If it was a copy of a text that he already had access to, there would be no occasion to alert the king. This is the state of Israelite religion at this time. Their temple has gone to ruin and their holy texts are lost within it. The high priest was governing worship to a God whose word was lost in rubble, whose precepts had not only been ignored as seen by all the altars to foreign gods, but actually and completely forgotten. Thankfully, this is not the case for us. We live in an entirely other context, not one where the law of the Lord has been lost, but now one where over five billion Bibles have been printed and sold or given away, where 80 million more are distributed every year. Access to the law of the Lord, to the written word of God, is for those of us who are listening now by no means an issue. But nevertheless, if we do not engage regularly with it, to hear it, to read it, to consider it, it may as well be as lost to us as the book of the law which was in the temple when the high priest discovered it. The word of the Lord is not useful to us, covers shut, sitting on a shelf. If that is the primary way we consider the scriptures, we will soon find our spiritual lives as misguided as those who we read about in the text today. Seek God as we may, it will always come up short because we're depriving ourselves of the only story within which we can most completely grasp at who God is and at what God has done for us. Every week we here together say we are a church that is following Jesus. And to do that rightly or well, we need to understand who he is and to listen for his word. There is no other way to understand who he is apart from the written revelation of God to us in the scriptures. All of the scripture points to Christ. Law and prophets are concerning him. The gospels are the good news of his incarnation, life, death, resurrection, and ascension. 
the rest of the New Testament, is how we are to be as he is while we wait for his return. The scriptures are, as Augustine put it, the face of God to us for now. To seek God as King Josiah did means we will be turning again and again to the scriptures. So the book of the law has been found. And the court official comes to the king with good news. First, they're doing a great job on the temple restoration. Really just superb craftsmanship. And secondly, we found this book. Good news, right? He then proceeds to read the book to the king. And it does not sound like good news. It doesn't sound like good news because everything that this book of the law says they shouldn't be doing is exactly what they're doing, is exactly what has been done for a long time in Israel and Judah. And this is bad news. The king tears his clothes in mourning and lament. He commissions a group to go and inquire of God if this scroll is trustworthy, if all this bad news will really come to pass. The king hears scripture and wants to learn more. And he sends people to ask of the Lord. Notice he doesn't do an inductive study of the text, though that's a useful tool. And he doesn't sit down for a coffee with the high priest to really discern its meaning together, though I'm sure that would have been lovely. He needs to understand this text And he needs to hear from the Lord. That verse which Nestor read for us before the prayer of confession, the Bible, the word of God, discerns our spirit. The scripture reads us. And as the scripture was read to King Josiah, the scripture read him and read Israel and spoke against them. And he needed to know if this was God's word. We also need to hear from the Lord. Whether it's a passage of scripture that is deeply familiar to us or one that we may have never considered before, perhaps even like today's, it is the Lord that we need to hear from. This is what we trust by faith a sermon can be. Not that every word a preacher says is the word of God, but that some trusted person has spent time to listen for God's voice before we gather, to share what they believe they've heard, and to trust that the Holy Spirit is speaking through the scriptures and may yet speak to each of our hearts as well. I have often reflected that the most mature Christians I know can hear God's voice in the most difficult sermons to listen to. When others may be exceptionally critical, these saints are able to hear in even the muddled ideas and perhaps poor communication of their pastor something which God reveals to them for their life and for the life of their church. This is because they gathered to hear the word of the Lord. They didn't gather to hear the word of their pastor. And this seems to be something that the prophet Huldah points us toward as well. When she answers the question of the group who have come to her, she actually gives two answers. I'm not sure if you notice that. But one, she says, is for, quote, the man who sent you to me. And the second is framed in opposition to that first word, 
where she says, But as to the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire of the Lord, in this story, we would assume that the man who sent them to Huldah is the same man as the king. But the phrasing seems to suggest that there has been an intermediary step. Perhaps the high priest Hilkiah has gone to his most familiar prophet. Perhaps some other person has directed them saying, if you want to hear from the Lord, go talk to Huldah. But something has happened in between. Because the king sent them to inquire of the Lord, and it sounds like somebody else recommended Huldah as the person to speak to. Prophets do speak for God, and Huldah certainly does so here. But this does not make a prophet equal to God. If we gather each week to hear the preacher's ideas, we are in for a world of trouble. If you choose to come to church based on who the weekly email says will be preaching, or what the text for the day is, or what the preaching series is, you're missing the point of our listening to the word because we're not listening for Nick's word. We're not listening for Natasha's word or Nestor's word or any guest preacher's word, good as those words may be. Rather, we come to listen to the word of the Lord. And while God may use our words to give clarity, it is the scriptures which are the word of the Lord as they point, as they alone point perfectly and clearly to Christ, who is the word made flesh. The king inquired of the Lord not only for himself, but also for all who are left in Israel and Judah. Huldah's answer is that there will be trouble, exile will come, but the king Josiah, as long as he lives, will not endure it. His humble and repentant heart will receive mercy from the Lord. With this word, the king gathers the people of Judah, both great and small. Imagining, I must expect, that if his repentance can offer this good word to him, surely if he shares this message with others and they also repent, there may yet be mercy for them as well. And he reads to those who have gathered from the same book which was read to him. He reads in the midst of the multitude in order that it might change their lives as well that they together might hold one another to account for the things written in that book. They hear God's word as a community. They hear it applied to their lives, and they live out of that word. A major shift which happened in the church 500 years ago was that the Bible was made accessible to people who are not clergy. You could have the Bible at home. You could have the Bible in a language that is familiar to you, the vernacular you speak, not Latin any longer. And the way that this progressed within the Western world is that that idea got married to individualism. You can read on your own because you don't need to read with anyone else. And this is simply untrue. Reading scripture on your own for prayer or to support your devotional life is wonderful. I encourage you to do so. But it is not the primary place where we hear God's voice. We primarily hear God's voice in community. As the former Archbishop of Canterbury wrote, Rowan Williams, he writes, we read together, we hear together, 
And instead of that picture of the Bible as a book held in the hands of a solitary reader alone in a room, have in your mind another kind of picture, one in which somebody is proclaiming God's story to a gathering of diverse people, and all of them asking themselves and asking one another, how do we find ourselves in this? How are we going to be renewed together by this reading? Because when that happens, the Bible is an essential source as well as a sign of the Christian life. That's what Rowan Williams says in his book, Being Christian. This, this here and now, this is the place where we most often hear God's word. Scripture read and interpreted in community where diverse cultural backgrounds help each other to see our blind spots, where diverse ages help us to read God's word with wisdom and to read God's word with wide-eyed wonder, where the manifold wisdom of God is made evident because we who are many and different from each other are bound together by one Lord whose word governs our lives. And the conversations which we may have about how to follow Jesus are anchored in the word which we now hear read for us, guided by the faithfulness of those who interpret the word among us, the spark of the new thing which God will yet do in our church and in our world. We listen to the word in our worship because God speaks to communities most often in the scriptures. When the God-breathed word says you in English, it is most often plural. God speaks to you all and us all. And God continues to speak to communities of people that God is forming today. It is in the gathering with those people that we can discern God's voice. Together, commit our lives to following in the way of Christ and together discern the Spirit's movement. King Josiah sought the Lord faithfully. But it was only when the word of the Lord was discovered in the temple again, when that word was faithfully interpreted by the prophet Huldah, and when both the reading and interpretation of the word was shared in community, that the covenant between God and God's people could be restored. There is something of a covenant that we mark together as we hear God's word read among us, that God is still a speaking God, Not idle or asleep, but living and active and speaking into our lives, speaking into this church. And then as we hear God's word interpreted to us, that these words are not only marvelous histories of God's work in the world, not only beautiful poetry or fantastical stories, but applicable to here and now, still revealing Christ to us and Christ among us, such that if we internalize what is spoken, if we believe what we hear and put it into action, we also might become a sign of Christ in this world. I hope that you do read scripture on your own, seeking God's face daily. But more than that, I hope that you do read scripture in community, that you continue to prioritize hearing the word read and interpreted on Sundays, that you read scripture with your family or with a home church and you receive the benefit of the spirit continuing to speak and move among communities of God's people. As we read, as we listen, 
May we find that we are restored to God's ways of goodness and justice again and again. And that we find ourselves continually nourished by the words of life, which point us to the one who is life, even Christ Jesus our Lord. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for your word, that your word is living and active, and more than text on a page, it reads our lives and speaks to us actively. Help us as a community to have ears to listen. As scripture is read and interpreted week after week in our homes, in our small groups, in our home churches, to hear you speaking to us as a community, shaping our life together, that we might truly be one body, which is Christ in the world. We pray also that you would help us to prioritize your word beyond Sunday, that we might be shaped by your word, that we might look more like Christ, who is the word made flesh. Holy Spirit, would you speak to us? And as we listen faithfully, speak through us to others in our community who need to hear God's word as well. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. A couple of quick reflection questions for you this week. An invitation first for you to think back and to consider how have you been shaped by listening to God's word in the past? How has this been a valuable practice in your spiritual life so far? Remember that. If we remember it in the past, it will encourage us to continue to value it. And then secondly, how can you better participate in listening to God's word read and interpreted in community? How are you an important and active participant in what happens at the center of our worship services? We'll give you a couple of minutes to pray and to listen for God's Spirit speaking to you.